Hello, welcome to the New River Church Podcast. We're so pleased to have you join us today. We hope that today's message uplifts and inspires you. If you would like to learn some more about New River Church and what we're all about, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. of this sermon is open your eyes. The passage that we're going to look at specifically is John chapter 4 verse 35. If you have your Bible on your phone or if you brought a hard copy of scripture like this, you may want to turn there as we're going to spend a lot of time in John 4, especially looking at verse 35 today. Um, Before we do that, I just want to share this, uh, a little bit of this Christmas card that my wife and I received this year with you. It's a silent night, holy night, and you might like, you, know, you probably get lots of cards. I, I suppose that we do, but I wanted to sh- you to hear just a moment of this. Uh, she wrote this to my wife, Sue, which is she's sitting right over here. Uh, this lady's name is Julie. Julie said, dear Sue, so blessed to have you in my life. Your prayers traverse thousands of miles to touch my heart, fill my cup, lift my life, and shift my thinking. God is so good to use you as his instrument and thank you for walking in his ways. She writes some more things, and then she concludes her Christmas card this way. She said, the light of the world has come to fill our hearts and home, and we get to celebrate that together and apart. Love, Julie. About 23 years ago, I was in Julie's home in Kirkland, Quebec, Canada. Julie is a part of a people group called the Quebecois people. Julie is a practicing MD in that community, the West Island community of Montreal. And I have the privilege of sitting there in her living room and explaining to her about Jesus Christ, who he is, and her ability to have him as her savior, Lord, and the one who paid the price for her sins. In her living room, 23 years ago, she said, I confess you, Lord Jesus, with my heart. I believe it in my heart, and I believe you raised from the dead, and I want to be saved. 23 years ago, and now she writes, the light of the world has come to fill our hearts and home. The Quebecois people, when we moved there, were half of 1% followers of Jesus Christ. And so I just say that to you. I'm inviting you to open your eyes and see the Julies that's in your world. And Jesus is going to invite us to do this as we look at John chapter 4, verse 35. He's going to invite us to open our eyes to see the Julies in our world. Look what he has to say. Don't you say, there are still four months, then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest. You see that line there where he says, open your eyes. What I want to invite each one of you here this morning is to listen to these words. Jesus said, listen. When Jesus said, listen, it's good to listen. 
I believe he's speaking to us today. He wants us to open our eyes and look at these harvest fields. He loves the harvest. Now, to understand a little more of what Jesus is saying here, it's always good to look at scriptures in light of the scriptures around them, right? To see what is really the context. What is Jesus really sharing with us? So let's back up now and look at verse 34 for just a moment. Jesus said these words before he talked about the harvest. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. And then he went on to talk about the harvest. He said his food. Well, you know, what was Jesus saying? You know, when we, when we hear the word food, some of you are like, yeah, get done, preacher, pretty soon. It's close to lunchtime, right? You know, we're thinking about food. In Jesus' day, he would have eaten olives and grapes and dates and palms and apples and watermelons, pomegranates, figs, sycamores, and fish. Like, this would have been his normal diet, right? <laughs> Any food lovers in the room, by the way? Yeah, some of you love some food. I'm going to show you in a, a picture in a minute. You're going to be like, oh, thanks. That made me even hungrier. Okay, I'm going to show you that. I love Nutella and bananas. Anybody like that? Nutella and bananas? Oh, yeah, thank you. Okay, if you haven't had that, you need to try it. But Jesus' disciples didn't understand that he was talking about something other than real food here. <laughs> but he really was. He's talking about something. It was a metaphor he was saying here with food. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, what really satisfies me is to do the will of my father. And I'm getting ready to show you what that is. And then he goes in to talk about this. He says this, don't you say there are still four more months than comes to harvest? Listen, what I'm telling you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ready for harvest. What was the will of Jesus' father? You see, Jesus was constantly showing us through his life, through his teaching, through his training of his first disciples, he was showing them what was the will of the Father. Because he always did what was in tune with the Spirit. He always did what was in tune with his Father. He and the Father were one. They were walking together. And so he is showing you and I today as he's training us as his followers. If you're a follower of his, and he says, listen I believe he's given us this word even for this day. Why is that? Well, let me tell, take you to another scripture where Jesus is describing himself in the gospel of Luke. Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus said, the son of man came to look for and to save people who are lost. Look for and save people who are lost. My wife and I were sitting in Olive Garden uh, last night or yesterday afternoon before we picked Devin up. So thanks, Devin, for having us come to the airport because we got to go to Olive Garden on the way. That was beautiful. And our waitress, her name was Bienvenue, which is welcome in French. In Quebec, especially, people would say Bienvenue and they're welcoming you. And she was, has Haitian descent. And, you know, it's, it's interesting when the Spirit of God whispers something to you. And I just like, oh, wow, I felt the spirit whisper something to me to ask this lady, which is a normal question for me, because I'm always uh, trying to pray to Lord of the Harvest, ask him to raise up leaders. So the, the, the spirit's question was this, ask her if anyone in her family is in ministry. Now, normally you don't ask the waitress if someone in her family is in ministry, but that was the question. And so I asked her, my wife is my witness here. She said, my father-in-law, right? is a pastor, but he's not in ministry right now. He's just attending another church. 
I said, can I give you my cell phone number? I helped start new Christian churches. Maybe he and I could work together. She took my cell phone number. She's going to pass it along to him. I'm just saying, my fa- our father is working all the time. Now, this wasn't a harvesting moment for me, but in a sense it was. My job is to find leaders for the harvest, <laughs> to find people that help people come to know Christ. And Jesus was at working. And see, he's come to look for and to save people who are lost. Listen, if you love Jesus, what happens to you if you love like if you are in love with Jesus? Is you're like Jesus. You're like him. And what I want you to hear today, and I want to illustrate several things, is that we have so overcomplicated this idea of sharing Jesus with people. We've so overcomplicated. When, listen, all it is, all this harvesting is, all it is is going about seeking and saving the lost. You know what it is? It's sharing the most important thing in your life with others. That's what it is. And how you do that, that is so unique to you. It's so unique to you. And it's perfect. You don't need to be like me. You need to be like you. God loves you. And so uh, as I share a few stories with you here, I just want you to know you just need to be you. And, And here's something that's so critical to this. You see this picture. This is a picture of actually of some Chinese people hiking in the Canadian Rockies. So I have a friend, Paul Johnson, who loves people, and he was worked with lots of Chinese people in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That's where we moved to the east coast of the United States from, was from Calgary, Alberta, that, that region. So Paul took a, a pretty good size, about 30 Chinese people, up to hike in the Canadian Rockies. And they were just walking along, just having a great time. If you've seen the pictures like of Lake Louise and all that, I mean, it is that beautiful out there. Like, it's so pretty. They're out walking, and Paul's walking along, leading these people. About two hours in the walk, he looks at his, he looks at his watch, and he looks around. He's like, Doug, he says, he's like, I don't know where I am. He's got 30 Chinese people with him. He's taking them out of the Rockies. He's like, I don't know where we are. So he decides just to keep walking. I'm not telling anybody. And they keep walking. He walks for one more hour, just getting more and more lost. And finally, he he tells the leader of the Chinese group that's there, he's like, I don't know where we are. And the leader's like, you don't know where you are? (laughs) What? We don't know where we are. He's like, no, I don't know where we are. And then Paul had that sinking feeling, but he had an even deeper sinking feeling. And this was the sinking feeling is he is like, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my wife what I was doing today. No one even knows we're out here. And he said, I realized something at that moment. He said, it's one thing to be lost, but it's really something to be lost and no one is looking for you. I mean, Paul is an incredible guy. And he looked around and he said, everybody pull out your cell phones. And he said, whoever has the best one, you go to the highest place and try to find some signal. And they went up there and didn't find one. He said, all right, well, let's go find a higher place. Anyway, they went and they finally found a cell phone signal, found where they were, and they were found. 
I'm just telling you, lost and no one's looking for you. Uh, Pastor Adam, um, we go to South Shore Alliance Church most of the time when I'm not out speaking somewhere. And um, he is a great guy at sharing about the most important thing in his life and just trying to be aware of the spirit and how he's leading. He's in a Panera Bread. And there's a guy that he's been building a relationship with. And finally, this guy looks at Pastor Adam. He says, Adam, I'm an atheist. And uh, like, like you were, Devin, years ago. And, and look, you know what Pastor Adam says to the guy there in Panera? Here's this is what he said. He said, he said, no, you're not. And the guy's like, what do you mean, no, I'm not? I just told you I am. He said, no, you're not. And he said, well, what do you mean I'm not? And he said, well, let's talk about it. And he sat down over a coffee with this guy at Panera. And you know what that guy said to him after they had their conversation? He said, you know what, Adam? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not an atheist. And I'm just wondering about that guy. I'm just wondering about Julie. I'm just wondering about whoever it is that you might know. If you just shared one thing with them, what might the Spirit of God do in the heart of that person? It's not complicated. Just share about the most important thing of your life. If the most important thing about your life is Jesus, you can't help but talk about it. I mean, if you love your car, you love to talk about your car. I've had some really cool cars that I can't believe that I sold years ago when I was young and didn't know what they were. They were very cool. I love to talk about them. My Camaro, my 280ZX. Why did I have all these cars and still not have them now? But anyway, I don't. At the end of the day, they're probably all rusty now anyway. But if Jesus is the most important thing, I should be talking about him. Let me take you to John chapter 6 as we learn more as Jesus continues to keep showing us here. He said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but that I give new life and raise it up at the last day. For this is my Father's will and purpose. Don't miss this, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him as Savior will have eternal life, and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. Jesus Christ had a clear focus for his life. What about you? As a follower of Jesus, what is the focus of your life? You see, if you love Jesus, the focus of your life will be the focus of his life. I'm here to do the will of my father. I mean, that's what you would be about. And it caused me to ask another question. What are your passions? So if I were to follow you around today, which that would be kind of weird, I understand. <laughs> so I won't be. But if I were to follow you around what would I identify as the passions of your life? Maybe football, which is a fun passion. I like football. I'm not against these things. But honestly, what's, what would I realize is the focus and the passion of your life? When you follow Jesus, it's designed so that he is our ultimate passion. And out of the overflow of his life in us, we're living our life. And so because of that, then we can't help but share about him. We can't help but talk about him because he is the focus of our lives. 
Well, when we think back to our focus verse there in John chapter four, what is amazing, and I'm not gonna get into it today, but I would invite you to read all of John chapter four if you have a few moments today and look at the story of the woman at the well. And, And many of you have been in church. If you know the Bible, you know the story of the woman at the well. And it is tremendous how Jesus shared with her and he's modeling for us how to share with others. It's just beautiful. Just read it through those lenses and it'll bless you. But let's now get on the other side of that story and go to John chapter four, verse 27. As Jesus' disciples come back and they find that he's been talking to this woman at the well, there's a picture. Verse 27, if you're looking at it in your scripture, let me start there, John chapter four, verse 27. Just then his disciples came and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. However, no one said, what are you asking about or why are you talking to her? Then the woman left her water jar, which is really strange for her culture to do that, and went into the city and began telling the people, verse 29, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed? Verse 30, to the people left the city and they were coming to him. So the Samaritan woman had told all kinds of people about him and now they were coming out to see him too. Verse 31 Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to have a meal, saying, Rabbi, teacher, eat. But he told them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? (laughs) Well, verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. (laughs) You know, the disciples were focused on lunch. Jesus was focused on the Father's will, right, and accomplishing the work the Father had sent him to do. In this story, we don't ever know if Jesus really got his drink or if he got his lunch. We don't know about that, but we do know that all these people from this village started coming out to him because he stopped to talk to this woman that the majority of the people in Jesus' culture hated. (laughs) But he stopped to talk with her. He started this conversation. I told you I was going to show you a picture. Sorry about that. We're like almost at noon here and here I am. I don't have, this isn't like four to, I don't have anything that smells like KFC though. That'd be really cool. eh? But if you like that anyway, I do. Um, But anyway, I'm sitting at a Kentucky fried chicken northeast of here, like way northeast of here, in Fredericton, New Brunswick, just east of Maine. I'm sitting there in Fredericton, and I'm sitting across the table from a guy named Dave. Dave Story is his name. He's trembling as he's holding his chicken. I'm like, wow, I wonder if he has a health condition. What's going on? I'm like, Dave, what's going on? He said, Gary, he said, I think God is asking me to move my family to a community called Doaktown to help start a new church there. And he said, I'm scared to death. I'm like, Dave, why are you so afraid? What's what's going on? He said, Gary, you don't know, and I didn't know. The nickname of this town, it's not Doaktown, it's called Dope Town. And he said, Gary, there's so many drugs in this town, you cannot believe it. And he said, that's why I'm trembling. He said, is God asking me to take my kids in the middle of that? 
I said, well, Dave, I guess I can't answer that question. But I said, next time I come back to New Brunswick, I was in Montreal living at that time. I said, next time I come back, we'll drive up to Doketown, Doketown, and check it out. A few weeks later, Dave and I are driving up to Doketown, Doketown, checking it out. And sure enough, for a small town, I don't think I've ever seen so many drugs so prevalent in such a small town. That's why it was nicknamed Doketown. So here's what happened. Make a long story short. God calls David and his family to this town, Doketown, New Brunswick. David loves to share about the most important thing in his life with people. So this is what he told me. He said, here's what I'm going to do, Gary. All morning, I'm going to start doing my preparation and work for the church, do all the stuff in my office, and every afternoon, I'm just going to go out and share the gospel, share the good news about the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to do that all afternoon. Do you know what? Here's what happened. This town awakened to the gospel. So many people came to know Christ in this town. Like there was this bridge over a beautiful Miramichi River is what it's called. And there were so many salmon swimming in this river that when they started doing baptisms of all the people, you're like scooting over the salmon. Like it's such a cool, amazing experience, eh? Oh, there's my Canadian coming out. How about that? It's such an amazing experience. And people in the town would come and get up on this bridge. Robin, can you imagine? And they would look down and they'd see Dave as they were baptizing 20, 30 people at a time as this harvest was happening in this whole community. Listen, you go to Doketown, New Brunswick today, it is hard to find drugs today because of the power of the gospel and one man trembling over a call in KFC and answering it. And all he did was go about every afternoon sharing about the most important thing in his life. Listen, let's not overcomplicate it. Well, as nearly 200 years ago, there were two Scottish brothers named John and David. John had in his mind he was going to make money. He was going to become wealthy. And he did that. Under his name in the Encyclopedia de Britannica to this day, you know what it says? It says... Uh, John Livingston is simply known as the brother of David Livingston. Well, John was all about making money, and it's not a problem to make money. It's good to make money, but David said, I'm going to be about something else. He dedicated himself to saying, I will place no value on anything I have or possess, or possess unless it's in relationship to the kingdom of God. And I want you to see something. This is what I understand is in Zambia to this day. This monument occupies the spot where formerly stood the tree at the foot of which Livingston's heart was buried by his faithful native followers on the trunk. And on the trunk was carved the following inscription, Dr. David Livingston. He left his heart with those people. I'm just kind of wondering where your heart's going to be buried <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering about your life. In Westminster Abbey, it reads, for 30 years his life, this is about David Livingston, was spent in an unwearied effort to evangelize. And on his 59th birthday, birthday, David Livingston wrote, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again dedicate my whole self to thee. As we go back to Jesus and his training of the disciples as I kind of move to wrap things up here in a minute, <laughs> don't you just love the honesty of the Bible? I just love it that it just shows real people, right? 
Jesus has spent all this time with these guys, and they're in this picture here in John 4, and like, did someone bring him lunch? And like, it's just the, the, you're like, still, they're not really getting it. You know, that's me. I've known Jesus for a long time. <laughs> and a lot of times I'm still not getting it. Why is that? You know why it is? It's because I struggle to keep my focus on him and on what he wants and on what he desires. But I'm telling you, I can relate to these disciples. Can you? I can relate to them. I can't. If most of us are honest, we're, we're more preoccupied with the things of this physical world. Are we not? I mean, if we're just honest, we get really preoccupied with so many things. But I, I want to change that in my life. Don't you want to change that in your life? I, I, I want to be about sharing the most important thing in my life. I, I want to leave my heart with people. And what is my heart? Jesus is transforming my heart. And so is the more he transformed me, the more I'm living, leaving them a transformed heart. I want to be aware. I want to be more aware of, like, bienvenue yesterday, her, that lady that served us at, at the Italian restaurant there. I just want to be aware. And so go back here with me again for just a moment. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Look around you. Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us and are ready now for reaping. They're ready now for reaping. Reaping. As Lewis at the car dealership, when I saw a Jeep Wrangler I have a, that I liked and I saw a color and I went in to go look at it that I really liked, Lewis comes out to talk with me like a good salesman, all tattooed up on his arms and everything. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you're going to give me an opportunity to share with Lewis. I got to share with Lewis the most important thing in my life. He told me, he said, Gary, Christians are all judgmental. They won't, they won't want me in their churches. They see me and they don't want me. And I said, I said, Juan, I'm sorry for whoever you've met that's made you feel that way. I said, Lewis, I'm so sorry. That, that's not what Jesus is like. He loves you, Lewis. Anyway, I'm, I'm working to go by there and share a, scripture, share a Bible with him. I, I still need to take it by and highlight some scriptures and tell him about more about the love of God and Jesus. I met the CEO of the two Boston zoos on an airplane to Columbus, and I got to have a great conversation with him sharing about the most important thing in my life. And he told me, you know what he told me? He said, he said, you know what the most important thing we're doing in the church that I go to out on the Cape whenever I go out there is we're wondering if we should put a flag out in the front yard or not, the LGBTQ flag. He said, that's the biggest decision we're working on. And I said, okay, okay, I get that. But I said, you know what the most important thing is about the church? And he's like, no. I said, it's Jesus. And I said, let me explain that to you. And so he and I talked about it all the way to Columbus. And I'm, I need to get a Bible by him to, to him. But I'm just thinking about you and your neighbors for a moment. Can you see your neighborhood? Can you see your neighbors for a minute when you think about who lives around you, whether it's an apartment, whether it's in a dorm, whether it's in a neighborhood, in a house next by? Do you see them? Uh, do you see your coworkers? Do you close your eyes? Do you put yourself in your office for a minute at the school where you work, wherever it is that you work? Do you see them? Can you see them? You think about the students that are around you. If you're a young person, can you see the, the students in the hallway? Can you see the friends on campus? Can you see them? Think about the people in the shop, in the grocery store, whether you go to Market Basket or 7-Eleven. Do you see them? 
they're lost. And they need someone to lift up their eyes and see them. Can you imagine? Listen, you see someone today and they're in a hijab or you know, you realize they're Muslim or you see someone today and you realize they're homeless or you see someone today. Can, listen, can you imagine? What if you're the first person that lifts them to heaven ever? How awesome to pray for someone for the very first time. That's kind of where it all begins. As you see somebody, you just say, oh God, do they know you? Do they know Jesus? <laughs> do they know Jesus? I just had to show this last picture to you and then I'm, this is a picture of a whole bunch of people around Hartford. I just thought it was so fun to find a people from all kinds of pictures of people from Hartford. <laughs> the food that keeps Jesus going is to do the will of the one who sent him. Then I had to show you this and then I'm, I'm going to pray for you here in a second. This is a guy that was working very close to me in IT and in a group I was working for in a world mission agency. And uh, I realized he didn't know Jesus. <laughs> and so I got to share with him. We invited him to a small group where we were watching the show, The Chosen. Have you seen it? And we invited people to come watch a TV show about Jesus. <laughs> That's what we called it. Christian and his girlfriend came. <laughs> it was two or three weeks in, hon. Two or three weeks into watching The Chosen. You know what they said? We want to follow Jesus. This is me baptizing them. And then their kids, they were like living together, right? And then their kids that are, from, you know, from all blended from everywhere. <laughs> they're like, we want to follow Jesus too. He was lost. No one was looking for them, but I got to just share with them. God's spirit was at work in their life. And there we are. We're baptizing them. And then her ex comes to the baptism. And you know what he tells me? He says, I think I might want to become a Christian. <laughs> really? How great. It's just sharing the most important thing. The most important thing. I pray for you that the Lord of this harvest will Put it in your heart to lift up your eyes and to see people around you like you've never seen them before. Can I pray with you? And I'm going to let one of the pastors come after I pray, all right? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word for us today. <laughs> thank you that you understand us just like you kept working with your disciples even though they kept not quite catching it. Thank you, you've been so patient with each one of us here today, and we are grateful for that. And Lord, we just pray that we'll be about the will of our Father, just like you were Jesus. And we know that your spirit can empower us to do that. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone hearing the sound of my voice right now, whether they're watching online, they're here in this room, right now, Lord Jesus. May we hear you. You said, my sheep hear my voice. So we listen to you to tell us, lift up your eyes and see the harvest. Forgive us when we haven't, when we've been too busy 
preoccupied. Lord Jesus, we want to just share you. We want to pray for others. We want to share your love. And so, Lord God, help us, empower us, show us. And I believe your spirit will speak to us and guide us in it. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a new day in which we can do that. We want you to be so blessed because you love the harvest. And we want to love what you love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening. That wraps up today's word. We are grateful you joined in. And if you would like to hear more or learn more about us, feel free to check things out over at newriverchurch.org. Thank you.